We're going to continue Galatians 5. Go ahead and turn to Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. We're going to look at that again together. Um, we are, as I said last week, I'll try to say it again this time. Uh, we are coming close uh, to the end of our series, but you're going to get a little bit of a pause. As I said, next week um, we'll be doing um, our child dedication, and then the next week we'll have our marriage retreat. So we'll come back uh, the next week after that and wrap up um, this series on the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, but today... Uh, we're going to continue. So we are moving into verse 23 uh, today. So if you'll read with me again in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, you, you should or likely have it memorized almost by now. Um, so I hope that at least if scripture memory is not something you've ever been good at, maybe this has been helpful to you, at least with this passage anyway. Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. So we come to gentleness uh, today. And the word for gentleness is a Greek word, um, proutes, is um, my best attempt at a pronunciation for that one, proutes. And that word means a mildness of disposition or gentleness of spirit. So one of the first things we need to do is make sure that we don't misunderstand gentleness the way many people do. Um, this is a word that does not describe a physical attribute. This is a word that describes a, a demeanor or an attitude, okay? So too often people will uh, misrepresent the word gentleness. So when you think about attitudes or demeanors of people, you, you understand that there's, there's a wide range of demeanors. There are some people who are very intense in their demeanor, and there are some people who are not. If, if, if you were to take up all the people's personalities and um, compare them to Taco Bell soft packs. Y'all like Taco Bell? Y'all eat Taco Bell ever? If you were to describe, gentleness would be the mild pack, okay? So there's mild and there's hot and there's like Diablo, which is, don't you know, don't you have some Diablo personality people in your life? <laughs> they are just, hmm, they're just intense all the time. They they might leave a bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> I don't know. But, but the, we're talking about gentleness. Gentleness is like the mild sauce, okay, um, of all of those packs. That word gentleness also often is translated in the New Testament, meekness. And so we can, we can misunderstand gentleness a lot like we can misunderstand joy. We've talked about joy already in the fruit of the spirit and, and people sometimes mistake joy for happiness. Sometimes, many times, people mistake gentleness for weakness. And that's exactly not the case. Uh, gentleness is actually, I will make an argument that gentleness is very much an opposite of weakness. Um, that there's a lot of strength 
found in gentleness. And that's why I'm, we, we call the message today the power of gentleness. That may, that may sound like an oxymoron, but I think by the time we get finished, you will understand that it, it definitely is not. Um, here's a point to begin this morning for you to remember. The gentleness of God is the control of his great power and strength. So as we do with all of these virtues, we all know that, we, that all of these virtues have their origin in God. They have their origin in the personality and the character of God. So that's where we start. And you say, well, how does gentleness play out in the character of God? Well, it's the control of his great power and strength. So I would argue that gentleness requires more strength than harshness. Or that gentleness requires more strength than brutality. Because gentleness involves control. And we, you may think, oh, you're jumping ahead, Eric. We haven't talked about self-control yet. We will. Fully aware of that. But I think that may be part of the reason that Paul has those two, gentleness and self-control, together in his list. Because I think that gentleness has a lot to do with control. When you think of the gentleness of Jesus, there may be lots of images or pictures that come to your mind. One that comes to my mind when I think of Jesus being gentle is I see the picture that, um, that was on uh, lots of children's, uh, children's Bibles uh, when you were a kid. It was that picture of Jesus sitting on the rock under a tree with lots of kids all around him. Kids sitting on the ground, uh, little, little kids sitting in his lap. That sort of thing. And, and that definitely, we see pictures of that in the New Testament where Jesus did have a gentleness that was so much so that, that it, it was easy for kids to come to him. And you can imagine what kind of demeanor Jesus would have had, especially with children. So that is a characteristic of the gentleness of God. But I also, when I think about this as being gentleness played out in, in the character of God, I also think about Jesus going into the temple and turning over all of the tables. And, and a, that righteous anger that he demonstrated. And you may say, well, that doesn't sound very gentle. It is if you think about the great power and strength of God. Like, that's pretty gentle. The fact that, that all Jesus did in that moment was go in and, and, and disrupt their business, turn over some tables. I mean, to, to everybody else around, that may have seemed like a, pretty, like, like a pretty harsh thing for him to do. But he was God incarnate. And you think about the power that Jesus had and the, and the control that he must have demonstrated in that moment. I think if you look, you can see the gentleness of God even in Jesus' expression there. So here's, here's three passages of scripture that we're going to look at that just are testimonies again. There are, there are hundreds that we could go through. But testimonies to uh, the gentleness or, or the power of God, the power of God in contrast with um, with his gentleness. Jeremiah 32 verse 17 says, O Lord God, you yourself made the heavens and earth by your great power 
and with your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. Isaiah 52.10 says, The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. He has bared his holy arm. I almost picture like God just almost, you know, guys will flex their, their strength. They will, they will bear their arm to show like how strong or how powerful they are. That, that God has done that, that his, his, great, his great power, he's shown it to all the nations. And it says, the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. And then Psalm 89, in verse 8, and then down in verse 13, it says, Lord God of armies, who is strong like you, Lord? Your faithfulness surrounds you. You have a mighty arm. Your hand is powerful. Your right hand is lifted high. So we understand the power of God. And so for us to really understand and see the the gentleness of God for what it is, we have to understand how great his power is. Because the gentleness is the control of that great power that he has. And Jesus was the fullness of God, as Colossians 2.9 says. And also that picture in Revelation 19 that we read Last week, that picture of the Jesus who, are we, who we are waiting on to come back. Even the righteous anger of Jesus that we see is expressed in gentleness because we see the control of his full power. Like I think we can look at the world around us and we can say that we see the gentleness of God demonstrated in how he deals with the world. How, how sinful and wretched and broken the world is, how rebellious the spirit and nature of men are to God right now. I think we can look at the way God deals with us and the way God deals with the world in contrast to the fullness of his power and strength and say that we live every day in the midst of the gentleness of God. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, is another picture. We see this, these, this gentleness in Jesus demonstrated, but especially in these verses where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am what? Gentle and humble in heart and you will see you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light Jesus uses that word to describe himself he says I am gentle and humble in heart and gentleness and humility go hand in hand together that's why Jesus uses those together he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, I don't know how many times it, uh, as a kid I read that verse and I thought of eggs. <laughs> and hopefully you know by now that, that has, this has nothing to do with eggs. But that a yoke, um, the, the yoke that Jesus was referring to is, is that wooden cross piece 
that was attached to, to animals, to oxen, who were going to be working and plowing in the fields. And this wooden cross piece was attached to both of their necks and it was used to guide the animals as, they were, as you were plowing the field. But the Jews in this time also used the word yoke in, in a different way. They would use the word yoke to refer to different obligations. Like if, if there were obligations that I had toward you, they, they would use the word yoke to describe an obligation that I have to you. I have an obligation to you. I have a yoke to you. I have yokes. So there are yokes that we, that we, um, that we carry for other people responsibilities that we have for them. There are yokes that we even put on ourselves, right? Um, responsibilities and obligations that we put on ourselves. And, 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 and sometimes those things are put on us by other people. Um, obligations that are put on us, maybe by our jobs or, or by people in our family. But Jesus said his yoke was easy. He promised rest for the ones who were weary and burdened. What Jesus was talking about was all of the other yokes. Like all the other yokes that you could carry. All of the other yokes that people from their families, from their jobs, the, the obligations, the, all of these things. And, and they tended to, they weigh us down, don't they? And they're heavy and they're hard. A, a, a yoke that you would put on two oxen was not light. It was extremely heavy. And so for Jesus to talk about a yoke or a responsibility that was light was unique because people put obligations on us. But Jesus, the yoke of Jesus is easy and light because the burden and the, and the weight of his yoke, he's already carried. And I think about the, the physical picture of a yoke on oxen and then I think about the physical picture of watching Jesus carry his own cross up the hill. It's, it's, it's this picture of, he says, you can, you can carry my yoke, I will give you rest. Carrying my yoke is easy because the, the burden and the responsibility for your salvation is on, is on me. I've, I've carried the weight of what was necessary to bring you to God. So Jesus says he is gentle and humble. He doesn't, he doesn't bear the weight of our responsibility with him on us. He doesn't load us down with, with obligations and burdens like the world does. He says, because I'm gentle and humble, I take those things away. I carry those things for you. So it's obvious that this disposition of gentleness is in the Father. In contrast to his great power, we see gentleness in the character of Jesus. But is it in us? Is, is gentleness something in us? The answer is yes, it is. That if you are a believer, if you are saved, if you have the Holy Spirit, and if you are walking in obedience to the Spirit in your life, then yes, you have gentleness. You have the capability for it. <laughs> it can sometimes be challenging to demonstrate it sometimes, though. And so let's just think and talk about that for just a, 
just a few minutes this morning. Um, there's a couple of ways. When we think of, we can see gentleness in the character of God and in the character of Jesus when we look in Scripture. But when we think about how does it play out in us, there's a couple of specific ways um, that, and, and, and we'll talk about each one of these. So the power of gentleness played in our, out in our lives. Here's number one. We see it in submission to the word and the will of God. So you say, what is this biblical definition of gentleness? If, if that fruit is supposed to be in us, what does that mean? The fruit of gentleness submits to the will of God and the word of God. Uh, Psalm 119, verses 33 and 34. The psalmist says, teach me, Lord, the meaning of your statutes, and I will always keep them. Help me understand your instruction, and I will obey it and follow it with all my heart. This word for gentleness applied to us means that we humble ourselves to the power and the authority of God's word. Gentleness has a lot to do with how we approach scripture, how we approach God's word. It means that we receive God's word into our lives and receive his instruction without dispute. The spirit of gentleness reads God's word, takes its instruction, and, and, and willingly receives it without disputing it, without arguing it, without trying to, to reason it away. It's a humility that acknowledges the supremacy of Scripture over our own word, our own understanding. It has to do with our attitude when we read the Bible. Do we read Scripture with a gentleness that, and a humility that, that receives it and takes it in? The gentle heart doesn't scoff at Scripture. It doesn't scoff at God's word. Anytime we find ourselves or, or we see someone who would, who would read the Bible and scoff at it and say, well, I don't really have to do that. Like how often do we, I mean, how often do we read the Bible and there are parts of it that we really like reading because they make us feel good. They, those parts reinforce maybe who we are and what we, what we believe and our character, but then there are other parts of it that don't do that. The other parts of it that cut and cut deep into our lives and they expose sin and darkness and, and, and maybe we see those things and, and, and the instructions in scripture, some of the things that Jesus said we're to do are really, really hard. And so hard maybe that we tend to read some things and go, oh, well, I really don't have to do that. Gentleness takes all of God's word and puts itself under its authority. The spirit of gentleness doesn't cherry pick the Bible. <laughs> um, it has to do with our submission to his word. And also, it has to do with our submission to his will. Gentleness leads us to accept the way God deals with us without resisting him. 
to accept the way he deals with me, to gently receive whatever comes into my life, knowing that the way God deals with me is always good and it's always right. We see that, I think we see the spirit of gentleness in the Apostle Paul. If you look in Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him, Christ, who gives me strength. This is the spirit of gentleness. This is the placing ourselves under the dealings of God and still trusting him, believing that he is always good and that he is right in all of the ways he works in our life. Gentleness has to do with the humility that says, God, I may not... I mean, what I'm going through may not be enjoyable. It may not be good. And I may not have any idea why this is happening or how this is going to play out for my good in my life. But, but I trust you. It's not that spirit that wants to shake its fist at God and, and demand an answer in the moment. This is the spirit of meekness. Coming through when we are riding out the worst circumstance that we've ever gone through and we're still able to trust that he's good. And you've seen that. You've seen that demonstrated in other people before. We've talked about it before. They're going through the most horrible circumstance. But there's something about them that they can still sing and they can still praise and they can still glorify the Lord even in the midst of the most horrible situation. That is the spirit of gentleness. That's part of what that word for gentleness means. It's a, it means it's a meekness before the Lord. Gentleness before God never tells God that he's wrong or that he's made a mistake. That's not the spirit of gentleness. If we, if we find ourselves wanting to do that, that's, that's not... The work of the spirit. That's not the power of gentleness. Now, no, God doesn't... I don't believe God gets mad at us when we do that. You say, well, am I, never, am I just not allowed to ever question God or, 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 or be upset? Well, yeah, that happens. And I don't think God is angry with us when that happens, but... But what he desires for us is to not stay there, but to develop that spirit, that fruit of meekness and gentleness. And Philippians 4.13 is a verse that we read quite often and we quote quite often. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The power in Philippians 4.13 is not a power to take over the world. And we read it that way sometimes, don't we? Or we use it in the context of, well, I'm, here's this really hard thing. Like I'm gonna, athletes like to use Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And yes, that in and of itself is true. But if we, if we put it in the context of everything Paul is talking about, the power to do all things that he's talking about is the power 
of meekness before the Lord. It's a power of submission. Because read what he says right before that. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this. I can do all these things because of Christ in me. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit because of the meekness and gentleness of the Spirit before God, even when I'm going through the worst of circumstances, I can be content knowing that God is good. So we submit to his word and to his will. But then second, gentleness plays itself out in this way. It's also a humility and a consideration in our ways with others. So it's a submission to the will and the word of God. But then it's also a humility in our ways with other people. It's very much about how we deal with people. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 3 says, Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all what? Humility and gentleness. Again, those two words going together. With patience, which we've talked about already. Bearing with one another in love. Making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We've already said that patience endures long with other people. Gentleness, I think, describes the way we endure with people. The way we are patient with people. Because we can deal with people, sometimes long-suffering can, can be hard. And I think sometimes we can, we can in, endure with one another in harsh ways. And we can endure with one another in gentle ways. And Paul says here that as you are bearing with one another, do it with all humility and gentleness. This is the opposite of, of harshness. And I find myself doing that sometimes. I will, I will endure with you, but I don't do it gently. Right? We may endure the people that, that we know God's calling us to endure with them, but we don't, we don't do it gently Maybe in the way we deal with them, it, it, it comes across kind of harsh. He says, with humility and gentleness, we bear with one another. I, the way I have to play that out for myself and what helps me in those moments is knowing that whatever offense is done to me, whatever, whatever I'm having a difficult time bearing with in another person in humility and gentleness if I will recognize that whatever wrong they are doing presently to me there are, there are more offenses that have been done by me than offenses that have been done to me does that make sense? I believe anytime we see ourselves starting to get really 
frustrated and not gentle with somebody that we maybe in, we're, we're trying to bear with them. <laughs> you know, we're like, Jesus, please help me bear with this person. What helps is, is to recognize what, whatever they're doing that, that's causing me trouble. I've absolutely probably done the same thing to somebody else. And to ask the Lord to show me that in humility before him. Gentleness is teachable. Gentleness is having a teachable spirit. And not just a teachable spirit before God, but gentleness is about having a teachable spirit before other people. Gentleness is not, is not the person who will get angry every time they're corrected. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Let's look at it. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with what? A gentle spirit. Watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. There's humility. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. This passage deals with gentleness in giving instructions toward other people. In the way we we deal with one another. So there's a gentleness in the way we give instruction that, that Paul says. We have to recognize that harsh words and dealing with others draw out arrogance in us. It's not only that we have to pay attention to what happens to the life, in the life of the other person because of our harshness and our lack of gentleness. Paul says here we have to pay attention to our own hearts that when we're harsh and not gentle with people, what does it do to you? And what it does to us is it, 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 it births and rises arrogance up in us. When we think we have the ability or, or the authority to speak harshly to other people when they need correction. And it doesn't mean that they don't need correction. Yes. <laughs> you need correction. I need correction. Everybody needs correction but the way we give it is vitally important. For it to be constructive, it has to be given in gentleness and humility. So we have to stop. And we have to look longer at ourselves. That, that's the trick. If you feel like there's a need for you to bring correction into someone else's life, and you can absolutely do that. But I better spend twice as much time thinking about myself as I do thinking about what the other person has done. And if I really truly do that, then I will speak gentle because I'll be speaking to them in the way that I know God is speaking to me. How would I want somebody to correct me? So that's what we have to, we have to, in giving instructions to other people. 
is how gentleness plays out. But, but there's another aspect to gentleness as well. I want to take you to James chapter 1. Verses 19 through 21, James speaks of this. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly, receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. That word humbly there is that same word that's in Galatians 5. Proutes. To humbly receive. So not only is there instruction for gentleness and humility in the way that we give instruction, there is also a need for gentleness in the way we receive instruction. You see that? Because most fights break out. Resentment comes between believers when we either give instruction without gentleness or we receive instruction without gentleness. Because here's the thing. I may have someone in my life who is walking in the spirit, who desires to obey this. And when they come to me, I need correcting And they come to me and they correct me in a true spirit of humility and gentleness. Having prayed over the issue, having been made fully aware by the Lord of of their sinfulness. And as they come and say, hey, I need to to talk to you about something. It's really hard, but but this this is something that I feel like that I see in your life that I really don't want to see for your sake or for the Lord's sake. And here it is. They can come to me in such a spirit of gentleness, but if I don't receive what they say to me with the same humility and gentleness, then, then it can still be destructive. Because you can, you can receive correction just as harshly as you can give it. It doesn't matter how gently somebody tries to be. You, you have to examine your own heart. So we have to instruct people as a person who needs instruction. If I have to speak instruction or correction into your life, I have to do it as a person who's in desperate need of instruction and correction. But I also have to listen to to someone else's correction or instruction, understanding that I'm, I'm not above it. And, and ask the Lord to take away that spirit of arrogance because when, when people lovingly, and sometimes it's awkward and sometimes it's weird, it's weird for me and I'm super awkward. If I'm ever in this kind of situation and I need to correct somebody or, or to, I'm, I'm super awkward about it and weird and that's why I hate it. <laughs> but we have to receive we have to learn, and sometimes that's hard, maybe initially, because our flesh wants to react initially to what somebody might have to say to us, right? And, 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 and if our spirit isn't in control, if the fruit of the spirit is not being played out, then we'll, we'll lash out at them, no matter how gentle they are to us. But we have to receive it with the same gentleness that we, 
desire to give it or we, that we desire it to be given to us. 2 Timothy chapter 2 is another passage. Paul says to Timothy, the Lord's servant must not quarrel, but be what? Gentle to who? Everyone. Is there, anybody, is there anyone that's not a part of everyone? Nope. Gentle to everyone, able to teach, and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of truth. So not only is there instruction for how, within the body of Christ for how we give instruction to one another in gentleness, and then there's instruction for that we receive instruction with gentleness, and, and those previous two that we've talked about are in the context of the church. That's believer to believer. But then Paul goes another step further and says it's not just, you don't just have to be gentle with other Christians. You have to be gentle with everybody. And he says be, to be gentle, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Those who oppose you, the ones who oppose God's word. We speak to them still in gentleness. I, I, the first thing I thought of was Facebook. Oh my goodness. If you are a believer, and there are lots of them. I mean, just, just open up your phone today. You'll find one of them. A, a believer, a Christian who just loves to pick fights on Facebook, who loves to call people names and be harsh um, if you are that person and you know you're that person, you need to like take this passage and, and either type it out or write it on something and put it inside your phone case or, or stick it or make a, make a, 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 like type it out and make it your background on your phone so that every time you go to go on a rant on Facebook, you'll have to read that. Deal with everyone in gentleness. And here is why. You say, well, why do, why? they aren't gentle with us. They're not gentle with us. They call us names. They're harsh. They're, they're belligerent about stuff. And so we think we can just jump on there and we can, we can do the same thing back to them. We can't. And why? It's in verse 25. Perhaps God will grant them repentance leading them to the knowledge of truth. He says, that's why you're gentle, with everyone. And here's a point to remember. Gentleness from my heart could lead to repentance from another heart. Was there, was there any, did, did you come to Jesus because of somebody who was harsh? Did you come to Jesus because of somebody who was, who was mean and belligerent and sarcastic? Again, we've said this already. Like, we can't be that way and expect to lead people to Jesus. Remember the gentleness of God to you when he came and he gave his life for you. He came down out of glory. He submitted himself to the authority of the Father. He came and he died the penalty for sin that he didn't commit himself. But he took on the penalty for your sin and my sin. 
And he didn't do it with harshness or with hatefulness or resentment. That's not how God rescued us. I see what that says there. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. I think about the crucifixion and I think about that moment when Jesus gave up his life. In the account of the soldier, the Roman who was there, and what words did he say? He said, surely this man was the son of God. So there was a moment of belief in him. That soldier didn't say those words because Jesus was yelling and screaming at the Romans and the Jews who were crucifying him. Jesus wasn't yelling sarcasm back to him. He didn't, he didn't respond. All of their belligerence, all of their ridicule that they were heaping on him and screaming at him, he didn't say a word. He dealt with them in gentleness. And it was that gentleness. Because if he had been loud and boisterous and abrasive to his opponents, then that would have, been, that would have made him no different than any other criminal that hung up there. But that's not who he was. He was the lamb. He was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. It was the gentle, humble spirit of Jesus that drew people to him. And it's gentleness and it's humility in our lives that come out that will draw people to Jesus. They will draw, they will, they'll be drawn to a relationship with us maybe to begin with. But then when we live out humility and gentleness in our life in this way, they'll see that that's not normal. And the more we live that out before them, the more they'll see the spirit, the humility, and the gentleness of Jesus, and they'll be drawn to him the same way we were. 